This episode of The Vergecast is brought to you by IBM. Did you know 16 million new collar jobs will be created by 2024? To help fill them, IBM's new education model gives high school students workplace experience and an associate's degree. 90 P-Tech schools are already preparing graduates for tomorrow's STEM careers. Let's put smart to work. Find out more at ibm.com slash P-Tech. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Verge Cast, wherein I start it by saying greetings, mobile accomplishers, and note that it is uh, week three without Herr Patel. Rations are running low. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Hi, Nat. You There's doing? just nobody around. Nat, I love you, but you don't talk about boats enough. <laughs> you don't talk about the love of the sea. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you don't pick fights with Ezra Klein. It's just not the same. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll make sure to gain a personality or download one by next week. Oh, my God. <laughs> Paul, you also heard his voice. Hello. He uh, is on a boat. No? no? We are the flagship podcast. Every every episode starts coherently, mm-hmm. smoothly. Yep. The rapport is just the best. We really try. <laughs> oh, my God. A lot of news, actually. I was thinking that it was not a big news week, but there's been a bunch of stuff going on. I think, obviously, we have to start with the new Gmail. Yeah. I don't know, Nat, you, you did a video on this. Tell me tell me what you think. Okay, so overview of the new Gmail. A couple of weeks ago, we got a leak. We all saw that some sort of new Gmail was coming, and then, you know, this week came around, and all of a sudden it just showed up, which is surprising for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people also freaked out and were like, how do I get this Gmail? But if you have it already, if you haven't, just click your settings cog and see if it's there. If it's there, it's going to tell you that you can try it. But if you have it, it's a lot more white space. There's now collapsible toolbars on the left and the right side. The compose button is massive. The right toolbar now has a bunch of different icons that you can use to look at your calendar side by side to your emails. There's keep, there's tasks. You can drag stuff into tasks to build stuff um, out of your calendar and just kind of work as a dashboard for your basically your life or whatever you use Gmail to plan. Um, it's a lot. It's really... I personally find it super busy looking and a little hard to look at because it's just so much stuff. But I don't know. What do you guys think? It does feel like a dashboard for your whole life. I can conceive of somebody opening the Gmail tab when they get to work and not leaving that tab. But you know how, all like, day. you know, like how like back in the day, I feel like when you were younger and you went online, the first website that you probably opened up was like Facebook, and that's your dashboard for your life because your friends are all there. Then you decided that Facebook is evil and somehow Google is not. So now Gmail is your dashboard. So you wake up and the first thing you open is Gmail. And it has all the emails of the stuff you're interested in because maybe you subscribe to content there. Maybe you have emails from your family members or your friends. And then you also have now your calendar and the things that you're going to do for the day and the things you have to do later because you added it to your Google Keep or task. I'm, <laughs> that, that's Google's hope. <laughs> there, there's so many things about that that make me happy and also sad. Um, it's it makes reality, me happy though. that you d- uh, didn't just say AOL was the first thing that you opened when you got your computer when you were young, because oh. that was definitely the first thing I opened on my computer when I was young. Well, first it was a BBS, so A, I'm old. Mm. B, it makes me happy to know that you are approaching being as equally old as I am, because the first thing people open isn't a website anymore. It's, you know... I don't know, Snapchat or Instagram on their phone. I mean, that's true. I'm saying, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think on your phone, people definitely still open apps, like social media apps in particular first. But I think when you open up a laptop, the first thing you probably want to look at is your email. At least I do. I just don't read email. That (laughs) explains so much. (laughs) So Google 
created Inbox, and I was yes. very excited because Inbox is kind of a one-dimensional way to go through your email. You are, are you are going forward through it, and sometimes you snooze something, sometimes you archive something, sometimes you you ban something from ever being seen again. Um, sometimes you even read it, <laughs> but but you're going through your inbox, and now in Gmail, it's like you're never going to be done. You're just going to live here, which it makes a lot of sense. It seems really useful for a productive person, and I'm, I I do think. Uh, Tom did a piece on how Google's kind of going after Microsoft and Outlook and sort of this integrated business suite of apps. And Google is way behind, uh, which is, I I guess that was kind of surprising to me. Oh, yeah. They're super far behind, especially among business business users. It is pretty genius or maybe just the most obvious thing in the world to put your calendar next to your email. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've been. That's one of the reasons I like use Mailplane on the Mac. Is it's a uh, you know it's one of these web app container things. It's not Electron though. That maybe it switched to Electron. Anyway, it's great because it. I just have a calendar tab next to my email, so I might need not need that calendar tab anymore. You know, the funny thing in in Vlad's story about this, we actually have got the most direction I've seen about what's going on with Inbox than we've got than I've been forever. Like the joke is that they never seem to update it for the iPhone. Uh, David Pierce over Wired said that they didn't because they like had to figure out the swipe interaction model. Fine. But this uh, product manager for Gmail said that Inbox is the next-gen early adopter version, whereas Gmail is the flagship that will eventually get the best new features. I mean, um, that sounds like a great idea, but that's not what it is right now. No, Inbox is, is like, they, they threw a bunch of stuff in it, and then they... Um, I don't know. They barely updated it, man. Like they, yeah. they didn't do much to it. I was really hyped for Inbox for a while, but I eventually, I don't know, I got tired of the the app layout on it and I just sort of let it go and went back to Gmail. So I'm really happy snoozing came to Gmail. Don't know how I feel about using P, uh, B as the shortcut, the keyboard shortcut for snoozing, but uh, that's a different story, I guess. I don't know. I think this is good. I think it'll it'll help with business users. It'll it definitely makes it feel more modern to me. Like I immediately dug into Gmail settings and made it look like my old Gmail, though. Like oh, for I don't sure. have the little attachment things. I don't. Yeah, have, I just, the default. I just want the simple list. Hate. I personally don't love default view. Like I don't want to see all the files inline. I don't want like it's so overwhelming as is that you show up and you see all these different attachments and like everything is like not uniformed. I don't know. Like sends my OCD into like hyper level where I'm just like, oh my God, this is too much. Well it makes it harder to scan, right? If it yeah. if, it's being, yeah. if that list what what we're referring to is the the view for an email can also show that there's like attachments of mm-hmm. certain And file it's supposed type. to be a shortcut so that you can click it and just see the light box view of it instead of going to the email and then clicking the attachment. But then there's now all these different icons and colors and like file names and it's just like it's And it makes too much. a message line be mm-hmm. a different height than all the other ones. Yeah. Yeah, messy. I mean, I'm. I rejected their attempt to like add tabs to the interface. So there's like main and like promos and newsletters and blah and blah. I'm like, nope, don't don't want any of that crap. I will handle all that on my own. Just give me the list of my emails in my inbox. Leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, also, interesting is on the lower left side. They still have Hangouts in there, which <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Like, sure, it's Hangouts chat. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, g- Google Google is end of lifeing Hangouts. And no. yet it's still in this new Gmail. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah. It, they're changing it, it to Hangouts Chat. Please explain this to me because I'm a G Suite administrator because I have my own domain name that I host 
a Gmail on. And I upgraded to the paid version so I could use the new Gmail to check it out. And they're, they're saying, like, in, like, the next, like, month or two, like, uh, Hangouts is 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 going away and we're moving everybody over to Meet. Oh, by the way, Meet still doesn't work in Safari or Internet Explorer. We won't yep. absolutely kill Hangouts until Meet works in, in, in those, yep. which is probably some WebRTC thing. Hangouts is getting replaced with... Um, Hangouts Chat, which is their Slack competitor, it will still sort of work. It'll still be compatible with Hangouts in Gmail, although eventually we'll have to see what, what happens to that little widget inside Gmail. There's also another product called Hangouts Meet, which is their video conferencing solution, which, again, yes, is based on our WebRTC, although they made a new version of it that is like better and whatever, and that's one of the reasons it doesn't work in Safari is Safari doesn't have great WebRTC support, at least not the way that Google implements it. Uh, and so they have chat, which is the, the Android, uh, the RCS thing, which will work on Android phones, and there'll be a web client. And then there's Hangouts chat, which is compatible with Hangouts, but eventually everybody who uses Hangouts is going to need to move over to Hangouts chat, which costs money. And so if you're a regular Gmail user who uses Hangouts, your future into a free version of Hangouts chat is up in the air. It is unclear what that plan is. Okay. Is, the so, best, is, my, is my best understanding of it. Okay. So how about this? Bring yeah. back AIM. I think it's time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, this is your chance. Oh, I'm looking at you. This is your chance. Oh, man. That's a great idea. Oh my god! I would switch. I, back I feel to like pain. if I'm listening to this podcast right now in the car on the drive home, I would just like rage, like off <laughs> into the sun, just because like everything that you just said, Dieter, and also like the idea of AOL coming back or AIM coming back is just like, oh my god, I can't. So we haven't even talked about my, the thing I'm most excited about, which is Google Tasks. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it a little bit, but I think that you are. Loving it. I don't know that I love it. I mean, you um, love that they're like paying attention to it. Yeah. So the the previously there were like fifteen different places to enter a task, and they're finally like have a single view where you can go look at it without having to do some weird hacky workaround. There's a bunch of people up in my Twitter mention saying technically, if you go to uh, tasks.google.com/slash/canvas/slash/something/something, you can. I'm like, okay, whatever. So it's there in the sidebar. They'll make a standalone thing for it. I think the next step is they need to figure out how to integrate it with like the reminders that you put in Google Assistant. But you can drag emails into it. Uh, I'm just—it's not a full feature to do app. It doesn't do a million things that I kind of wanted to do app to do. Like you can't set a specific time on the thing. You can only set a date. But you can drag emails into it, and there's apps for it. So if you just want a really simple deadhead to do list app, Google finally, finally does it. I mean, look. When the original Palm Pilot, there's oh, a Palm mention for the day, came out in 1997, it had four buttons on it. Yeah. Okay, they wait, were, wait, wait. Okay. I'm guessing one of them was for tasks. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Calendar. Yep. Contacts. Yep. Memo. Memo. Yep. Whoa. Back in the got, day, I, I used to call one. those. I had this. I had this whole thing. I had this whole like prepackaged rant that I could trot out whenever I wanted. <laughs> I'm so bad. I called it the four pillars of PIM, which PIM is the personal information management. Oh. If you're going to make an office suite, you need to offer those four apps, and they need to be integrated into each other. Right. Um, Microsoft figured this out with Office um, a long time ago. Outlook has done, and then there's OneNote, and then there's you know Calendar, Outlook Calendar, and blah blah blah. Like they figured that out, um, and it took Google this long to figure out that oh yeah, people might actually need to like make a list and check things off of it and not want to have it be buried away inside random notes in their memos app. 
Why should I trust that Google won't forget that it made a task? <laughs> you shouldn't trust Google for anything <laughs> ever. <laughs> Have you guys looked at the the Tasks app on uh, Android phone or iPhone? Um, I think it's a great. Uh, this sounds like an maybe less unconventional than I think, but I I would totally use it for grocery shopping just because it's like way fast. Oh, yeah. Just check everything off the list and like not actually a task per se, but more like just the list. And I enjoy that. It's clean. Yeah. It's easy. I can type it in and I'll just look at that later on my phone. Works works great. I've gone to plain text for keeping tasks. Wow. I don't really what like if you want to like you don't it, don't you like check boxes though? Don't, isn't it satisfying to like tap a box? It and would have be turn satisfying, but what's not satisfying is I want my tasks very close to my notes and my notes I want them to be kind of in my cloud, not in someone else's cloud. Yeah. Like I use no, Simple the same Note as a, as a synchronization service, but I feel like I own my notes and I wouldn't feel like I own notes if they were in Google's system. So I use Simple Note as a synchronization tool. And then when I'm on my Mac, I make sure that I use NV Alt, which is a Simple Note app. Uh, and what's great about NV Alt is you can uh, go in the settings and tick a box to have it save every single thing in Simple Note in plain text on your Dropbox. Yeah. So you always have a text file backup. But no, the reason I brought up the to-do app, one, Google caught a lot of flack for like it's like completely incoherent uh, font strategy in that app. They're like using different fonts in different places, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. But two, if you notice, there's no drawer, there's no sidebar on the on the left hand side like there is in a lot of Google apps. Instead, it's this thing that pops up from the bottom, which is kind of like how Google Maps work. And my conspiracy theory is that Google is getting ready to have a gesture on the left-hand side of the screen that acts as back in the same way that the iPhone does. Because there's this other these other Android P rumors where there's like that little pill next to a back button, and maybe they'll do a swipe up to go to multitasking in the, way, the same way the iPhone does. And if they want to get rid of those button bars, they could switch to the iPhone style of gestures. And if they're going to do that, they need to get rid of the left-hand drawer, because if sliding over from the left opens the drawer, but if they need that to, to be back, then they've got to like change every Google app to have this drawer on the bottom thing. I don't know. I, it's, this is definitely taking it too far, but they are doing this interaction model of, of the drawer on the bottom instead of on the side. That's like definitely a theme. Okay. Here's the thing, Dieter. You didn't take it far enough. Uh, How does the drawer <laughs> in the bottom relate to the Fuchsia UI? Ooh. Right? Because they have these sort of narratives of chained together tasks and right. cards and decks and all sorts of web OS <laughs> elements. Uh, yeah, I, I I like it. If they can fix the font incoherence, then yeah. I think that the Tasks app is a pretty good indication of the design direction of what Google's doing. There's like a lot of hints in there. Hmm. I think 9to5Mac maybe even did a story about Material Design 2. Um, I don't think they're going to call it Material Design anymore. I think they're they're like... That was a nice experiment. It like got everybody on the same page, but now they're sort of letting people be a little bit freer. I don't know. What else is there to say? I like that it works in Safari for once. Like Google released a web app that isn't Chrome only. Good job, guys. Congratulations. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, it's kind of too bad that the confidential mode is not out, at least not for me. I think some people maybe have it, but it's not for me yet. And I would be super curious to see how that works in practice, just because that is the newest thing that I've seen. Basically, what you it, what happens is when you make compose an email, there's now going to be a button that lets you make a message expire at some amount of time, mm-hmm. or you can even unsend it, which is 
crazy. Some apps obviously let you do this. I think WhatsApp has allowed unsending for some while. Instagram Direct has like a an unsend-ish kind of tool. But yeah, like I, I have no idea how this works in practice. Like, does it tell you that you revoked privileges? No idea. Doesn't say. Um, so I would love to be able to use this more to kind of figure out how that actually works. I think the, the underlying thing is you're basically sending someone a link to a piece of content and you can kind of delete right. that piece of content later in time. I'm sure that... I haven't looked into it. I'm sure that Gmail can just make it all look like an email. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, but what happens if you use a third-party client? Then you you just just get get a link. link. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Yeah, we'll see. Well, what do you expect from a company that owns everybody's (laughs) email account? You think they're going to play nice? Are you trying to goad me into talking about email standards and then as a way to talk about web standards? I bet you that those I bet you Always. those uh, embedded uh, uh, expiring emails are basically just AMP pages inside inside your Gmail. <laughs> I hope oh so. God! <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I have no way to segue to this, so I'm just gonna do it. Spectacles 2.0, huge mm-hmm. surprise, mm-hmm. new version of Snap Spectacles. They're still they, doing they, it. They're doing it. They're still making them. I don't know. I haven't tried them. I'm not compelled by them. I don't know. Nat, you tried them, right? Yeah, very briefly. So Casey knew the story on it, and he was in town in New York to check um, check it out. And I saw it, and it is the first time. So this may come as a surprise to you, Dieter, but I am a 20-something who's never used Snapchat before. So what? yesterday was the first time I used Snapchat in my entire life because I went whoa, up to whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, I went up to Casey. Tell me everything. Well, I went up to Casey and I said, can I check out the spectacles? And he's like, sure. I took them. I put them on my face. And I was like, okay, what do I do? And he's like, well, first, do you have the Snapchat app? And I said, no. And he said, you should do that first. <laughs> so I downloaded Snapchat. It was the, the, the sign-up process is not, like, they still do that same thing they do, like, with most apps where, like, skipping, syncing your contact is, like, the word skip is written on like a very light gray font on top of a white background that's hidden on the top corner. So I'm like, I, I see you, Snapchat. I see you. So <laughs> I pressed skipped and I finally got into the Snapchat app and then I tried it. So the thing about this whoa, spectacle. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So like, I need, I need more, I need way more detail. Yes. Did you understand how to use the Snapchat app? Because it has, it used to be wildly confusing. Now it's just mildly confusing. But I also don't know because I have used every iteration whether I just am like used to their crazy way of thinking. Like when you open this app for the first time in your life, this is amazing. Yeah. Like what was it like? Well, it turned the app on. You know, it had that camera screen you can tell how to take the photo because there's the circle on the bottom i didn't really yeah. send a picture because all i wanted to know is how to use spectacles so uh-huh. but you know i can tell there's a button underneath the camera shot shooting like button that shows you that all the pictures or like videos have you taken but i assume that's that that's got to be it then you take the picture that you want to send and just pick someone to send it to i'm guessing that's how you do it i didn't actually send how do you choose who you send something to oh god (laughs) i I didn't get that far how do you add a filter how do you zoom in oh um there was a point where i opened up one of the videos that i shot with the new spectacles 2.0 and there was a scissor button that i thought was like for trimming the video clip and it's not. <laughs> it's for it? the scissor thing lets you select some part of the video that then you cut and then like just becomes a sticker that just floats in your video, which was um. extremely creepy because I happened to cut out a piece, a piece of like someone's head in the sitting far away in the office. And then I looked at it again and this head was just like floating all over the video. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what is going on here? But new spectacles is 
Um, I didn't use, obviously, the first spectacles, but I saw them side by side. It's a lot thinner. It looks like a real sunglasses. I think that, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of some of the free plastic sunglasses that you get at, like, parties and, like, concerts that they like to give out. It's, Ooh, you know, flashy. It's, that is hard. They're, I mean, they're, it, they're supposed it, to be, like, higher quality than that. It is higher quality, but I think, like, the... Are you mean aesthetically or materials-wise? Aesthetically. Okay. Aesthetically. Because okay. I think, like, the flashy colors, like, the bright, you know, like, they, they, it's got this, like, reflective lens that's, like, a mirror kind of look to it. So it reminds you of that. Like, it's very, like, I just partied at Coachella kind of thing. But, they're not um, designed to blend in. Yeah, they're not. They definitely are designed to stand out. And they look, you know, hip. They are, definitely are targeted for someone younger. Yeah. I, I, even I feel a little odd wearing it, and also I just don't really enjoy sunglasses in general. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's lighter. It feels like a real sunglasses. There's a little button on the left side that lets you, you know, hold it to take a video. If you hold it longer, it now takes a photo, which I believe is a new part of it. You can take a photo before. Quality is better than the old one. Um, it does look quite nice. It's still that spherical thing, and you can flip your phone when you look at the picture. And I think syncing is supposed to be faster now although i've never used it and when i was trying to sync up the video that i took it's still i was like literally just counting with my finger like one two three four five and oh there you go the video is in my 10 second video yeah and i was like wow this takes a while and casey was like yeah you'd be surprised how much longer it took on the first one i'm like what so (laughs) so the key improvements is that they're lighter the it transfers faster it's waterproof, but the key... It's thinner, too. Or, okay, like, thinner. when you fold them up. Yeah, yeah. But the key question to me is, were spectacles ever a good idea, and they just had some execution flaws, which these are this is solving, or was it just not a good idea in the first place? Look, I think the idea of a wearable camera is not new. Like, you see GoPros, and I think that people are very excited by GoPros because it's you know, you wear it, it captures all the adventure stuff that you see or are doing. I think that Snapchat trying to go into that market is smart. I think it's cool. Um, is it executed in a way that I think it's going to be mass market? I'm not quite sure. Because cause also spherical video that only works for Snapchat is not very easy to share. Yeah, that was one of the, I, I don't know what it was about it today. I guess I've been thinking a lot about like <laughs> open standards and... <laughs> Damn it, Paul! <laughs> I just, I just like snap. You know, Snapchat. One way Snapchat could differentiate itself is by creating a product that just like doesn't. We don't need Snapchat to be another Apple uh, that's making something that's completely vertically integrated. I mean, it makes sense that it would work the best with their service, but the the idea that it's so intrinsically tied to its service and it and it shoots photos in like a weird kind of useless format. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I will tell you that like spherical format is cool, but I don't see any like value in it at all. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. make me want to share it. Otherwise, like I don't think that I I think I can send it to my friends on Snapchat and they're going to be like, oh my God, let me flip my phone around and look at this. Imagine like Snapchat. It is super cool when when, in Snapchat, the spherical, the, the round thing and you can like move the phone around a little bit to like peek around the corners of it. That is actually genuinely fun. That That's is neat. Yeah, I think that that is cool, but I think that for me, it seems like a novelty that just kind of. Meh. Okay. Okay. Imagine, Fair. imagine the coolest thing that's ever happened to you happens in front of your face, and you happen to be wearing spectacles. This is Snapchat's best case scenario, right? 
You don't have time to pull out a camera. You just reach up and click the button a few times. You get a 30-second video of the craziest thing that's happened to you in a format that is going to be complete. You know what I mean? Like you're not you're you're not going to say ten years from now. Oh, thank goodness that I got a circle video <laughs> of the craziest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. That I can only no, watch that, it. It's one app. That fundamentally is not what their best case scenario is. They don't want they they don't think that this is for making you know a life lifetime of memories that you're going to open up in your whatever the equivalent of a photo album is, and you're going to like. Show naked pictures of your child to their, you know. Why are you wearing your sunglasses they... in front in front of your naked? Well, child? When you're bathing your baby. If you're bathing your baby, and, and like, you're wearing you're ba- your sunglasses you know... in your house, bathing your child. Okay, let, let's no, let's the, move the first to time you baby's first steps. Baby's first steps. Okay, that's better. Okay, but no, you always like embarrass whatever. <laughs> baby's first steps. Gosh, look. <laughs> All I'm saying is, everyone's had the moment when you bring somebody home for the first time to meet your parents, and then your parents break out the photo album and make fun and like tease you with embarrassing photos from your childhood. Right, right. That was yes. that was the whole point there. Abs- okay, absolutely. And I think that that is as close to like a lifetime of memories kind of pictures that, they, that I think Snapchat actually wants to do with this. They what they actually want isn't like record this amazing moment for posterity. What they actually want is send a weird funny video to your friends that feels like there's a lower barrier to entry that it doesn't have to be perfect because it's just a thing you recorded on your glasses. In that case, the next Snapchat thing or hardware that they should make if they ever make one is like one of those picture frames that you can give to your grandparents and you can just like shoot the video over to them. (laughs) You know like those picture frames where you can like upload videos and photos? Like the next Snapchat thing should be a picture frame where you can just shoot the message or video or photo over with your spectacles and your grandparents will be at home being like, oh, look at my beautiful grandchild. In this, like, and then you know, they can pick it up and do the weird flippy three, you know, like spherical view thing. This is you're a genius, and (laughs) Snap should hire you right now, and they should make that because think about that. That's the thing that you get for your grandparents when you like graduate high school. Or, or like that, like when you yeah, get them and, for and, Christmas. Yeah, and if or... Snapchat is so you know adamant on making sure that they are the platform that you can view this content on, then like the next thing should be like another hardware where like you can actually view it on, but in a way that's not tied to your phone or easier for people of all ages to use. Who knows? I like it. This is, well, we've solved all of Snap's problems. Next year, they definitely won't lose around eight hundred million dollars. <laughs> <in the, laughs> Or just have like a hundred thousand million spectacles sitting in some warehouse collecting dust. Which, by the way, they said they recycled parts to use for a 2.0. So there's not, it's not all lost there. Yeah, I wonder what parts. Yeah, I've been wondering which parts too. Me too. Hard to say. Hey guys, your bathroom called. It's time to give it the cleaning it deserves. Get rid of all that other crap that's lying around and freshen it up with high-quality products from the Dollar Shave Club. There are lots of members who get everything that they need for their morning routine delivered right to their door. So here's the deal. Go to dollarshaveclub.com and go get everything you need delivered to look, feel, and smell your best. They do more than just razors, and it feels way better than going and shopping at a Walmart where all the razors are behind that stupid plastic thing and you got to wait for someone to come and open it up for you. They've got razors, shave butter, shampoo, body wash, toothpaste. Just They just have everything, honestly. You get this amazing high-quality shave every morning 
Uh, they've got this thing called the Executive Razor, which I guess I should try because I'm executive editor of TheVerge.com. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. They also have Dr. Carver's Shave Butter, and uh, they deliver everything to you so you don't have to walk into a store. Clean up your bathroom and your morning routine. You should join Dollar Shave Club today for just 5 bucks. With free shipping, you'll get a six-blade executive razor, plus trial sizes of the shave butter, body cleanser, and one-wipe Charlie's. Hmm. Hmm. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more per month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash verge. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash verge. Uh, Amazon. Amazon had like all the things this week. Yeah, Just, like a lot everything of stuff. happened. So everyone was unhappy that Amazon could uh, wanted you to let a person into your house with a special smart uh, doorbell and lock. And they're like, okay, cool. We know you're uncomfortable with that. How about you give us access to your car? This is so smart. You think so? Yeah. So here, here's what I think the future is. Uh, all the cars being broken into all the time because people see Amazon delivery people leaving packages in them. And then they pretend it's, oh, oh, that's my car. And then they take the package. Oh, you mean you just break into a car because <laughs> oh. it has an Amazon package in it. Yeah, I mean, I like that if, already happens if you don't have a doorbell or you live in New York City where you don't have a doorman and people just leave yeah. packages in your front door. I'm just she, saying, you see an Amazon truck or UPS truck in a parking lot and you're a criminal. You're just going to like see what happens. And if a whole bunch of cars get filled with boxes, you might see what you can do about that. Why? What, what's what? the best size of box for a thief to target? Right? Probably a smaller one. Like a small one that's like a phone? No, no. It's literally at a parking lot. They can, anything that'll fit in their car is the best size. (laughs) They're going to have a car there. Although you also have to make out with it like really quickly. So you don't want a big box because you can't run away with it unless you have a different Mm. car to throw it all in and drive away like, you know, Santa Claus with all your Amazon packages. My theory is that in the future... Mm-hmm. I will be able to be it's it's kind of like being an Uber driver but like a very like low lift version of an Uber driver where Amazon just strolls up to my car while I'm at work and puts something in my trunk and then I drive home and then later at some point somehow that thing is it turns out that was actually for my neighbor and you know what I mean like instead of Making extra trips to deliver things, use the trips that people are already driving. Like I'm taking my body and my mostly empty car from city center to the suburbs every day. Uh Why don't I bring something with me and drop it off at a neighbor's house and I get like a small little commission for that. But I didn't have to go out of my way. Right? I feel like maybe they trialed something like that before. Did they? Um, Doesn't that sound like the future though? I mean, I can't be bothered to like walk to the UPS store that's half a block away from my office to return stuff. Right. Like, what are the what are the, what's the likelihood I'm actually going to do my neighbor a solid and deliver their package? I'll forget. Well, They'll one, just sit in my car. One, you build a reputation just like on Uber, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be doing deliveries if you're if you're bad at it. Two, maybe there's some way that it's like locked so that you can't enjoy the fruits of your uh, neighbor's Amazon purchase. <laughs> but also, like, it's a chance to meet your neighbors for once. Mm, that's true. I do not talk to my neighbors. Right? Except when their crap falls on my patio. It, like, floats down onto my patio from the floors above, and they come uh, knock on my door and ask to come get their stuff. That's nice. Okay, yeah. yes. There's a thing called Amazon Flex, apparently which lets you deliver packages for Amazon on an hourly rate. 
So mm. somewhat that is has sort of existed. I don't know that it's done based on location or like based on where you're headed, but hmm. there is like a an app economy or job type thing where it's like an on-demand delivery person who is just around to help make deliveries. This is great. I think it's all, all I'm saying is happen. I've had my car broken into. I've seen lots of cars get broken into. It's like a real genuine problem in San Francisco. It mm. happens all the time. And uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think that having a package delivered to my car is a, a especially secure thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 I think it's also just an overly engineered solution to a problem that I think I'm not really sure that people like people have problems getting their packages. Sure. I'm not sure. This is, seems like an, a super complicated way to fix that problem. And like, it's funny because what Amazon is doing, it's like just eating Walmart's lunch. And, you know, like the, the, the one thing Walmart had is, is like, we'll bring your groceries to your car. And Amazon's like, no, we're going to do that. But also we're going to do that when you're not there. <laughs> In, in well, Amazon's he, ideal world, you're really not involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you thought that it was uh, creepy that Amazon could get into your house or your car, you're going to love that you can now buy an Echo Dot for your children. Mm-hmm. Actually, I I kinda, this is kind of sweet. I don't know. This is okay, right? I think, no, I don't I know. I mean, it is a little weird to get your kids involved with like AI early on in life, but, but it's kind of inedible. Like, they sell Fire Kids tablets. Of course, there's going to be something for kids to interact with that uses their voice. It's more fun for them because they're not looking at a screen and, you know, like lets them play games, lets them probably run around a little more, like encourages them to not be staring at a computer all day long. That I guess that's fine. I am contractually obligated to love this because it has a bunch of audiobooks in it. So we should explain what the deal is with this. It it is a special like kid mode that then Amazon has this thing called free time mm-hmm. where it includes parental controls and so you get the parental c- controls for free and then there's like this mode for Alexa where it like encourages kids to say thank you and lets them ask follow-up questions and it lets them it like customizes answers to the kids. So if they ask where babies come from they're like you should talk to an adult or if they ask uh I might you know they're being mean to me at school. It like gives them advice on bullying, and again encourages them to talk to an adult. And so mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit safer for a kid. And kids are talking to these things anyway. It also apparently is more forgiving for the wake word. So instead of having to say Alexa exactly, you could say Alexa. Alexa, which is pretty Aww. great. Aww. Um, and then on top of that, if you want to pay for free time, uh, it's a relatively cool service. You can get it on tablets, and now it'll be on this thing. And you'll get a bunch of free, like, kid-friendly content so that they can, like, have a bunch of free kid-friendly content and not have to, you don't have to worry about them, you know, downloading a million apps or stuff because they've got a bunch of stuff that they've got, got sitting there waiting for them. And it's free, my understanding. free for a year uh, when you buy an Echo Dot Kids Edition or Fire Tablet Kids Edition, and then it's $3 a month. Yeah, prime, prime which is not customers. bad. Should be noted also that, that even though it, it does come with free time, but it does cost like thirty dollars over uh, more than the regular Echo Dot, which is crazy because I don't think anyone, even at like the retail price, no one buys the Echo Dot full price. They just wait for it to go on sale because they always go on sale. So yeah. for me, it's like eighty dollars for one Echo Dot for kids. It's kind of a lot. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I feel like weren't we talking about something recently? It's it's crazy that so much of this is about the content now and not really about the basic assistant or the basic I guess this is a lot about the assistant too, 
feels like they have a lot of the hard early problems solved, and this is like a nice generation two thing to be able to do. Well, I remember when um, Benicio, our former transportation editor, Tamara's son, reviewed the Google Home and the Amazon Echo for us. He said that he had preference for Alexa because he said it was more fun to talk to you and like it told him jokes. And sometimes when he asked it inappropriate question, it would sometimes say, or like, you know, like, don't do that. Or like, that's not nice. Or sometimes he'll ask him to tell the top 10 jokes that it has. And it'll be like, I can't tell you because some of them are not appropriate for your age. And he's like, <laughs> hmm, that's, why would you say that to me? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was really cute. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what he thinks of the kid's version. Amazon does a better job of um, recognizing that this weird thing called a family exists and mm. that there might be more than one person in I've your home. Of, I've heard of those. Please tell me more. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Google does a pretty good job. They did a pretty good job with Home, and they've done a pretty good job with Android. There's like multi-user stuff or whatever. But mm-hmm. Apple and Siri just assumes that everybody has like one of everything that it makes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Amazon has always done a really good job of multi-user. Um, they took a minute for Alexa, but they got there. Um, and they've always done a very good job of recognizing that there are children who get tablets and who get devices, and that you need to hand this thing to your kid and like have some sort of sense of it. The the parental controls that are built into Fire tablets are just heads and shoulders above anything else that you can get. Um, I, I, you know, the tablets themselves are like, man, Android on tablets is pretty man. I know it's not technically Android. It's built on Android. It's Amazon's fire thing, blah, blah, blah. But still they get, I think Amazon deserves credit for, uh, realizing that there are children and children, uh, get things. They, they use things. I don't know. Along those lines, Amazon is reportedly working on its first home robot, Mm. uh, which is, it kind of seems like a, a play kind of what to what you were saying now, like because we've talked a lot about like don't gender the robots and you know Google is kind of right to have sort of a non person like Google Assistant it doesn't feel like a person nearly as much as Alexa or Siri do. Mm-hmm. But you can't deny how attached we can get to something like watch Bicentennial Man, I think is a good primer on this sort of like yeah it's just a robot it's not real it's not a human but if amazon puts alexa in a body i I feel like you could get way especially a kid could get way more attached to Alexa. i mean even robots that don't have a personality um i think last week james vincent wrote a story where he interviewed the irobot um ceo or head of something and he was talking about how like people are super attached to the roombas like they refuse to send their Roombas in for maintenance if something's wrong with it. They're like, no, you send someone to come fix my Roomba at my house. There's no way I'm sending my, like, Rosie the Roomba away, which is wild to me that people are that attached to a robot in their home, even ones that don't talk or, like, don't have a face. Well, I, I've also heard this at iRobot that, like, soldiers get really attached to their bomb disposal robots. And it's kind of yeah. like like losing, like, a dog if, like, the bomb disposal robot actually gets blown up by a bomb. Yeah. Oh, so I haven't watched Bicentennial Man in uh, forever, but I'm going to say if you want a heartwarming robot movie, you should watch Robot and Frank. Uh, it is amazing. Have you heard of this movie? Yes. Yeah, I, I have not. 
I forgot about it. Oh, it's it. so good. It's it's Frank Langella. He's like an old retired jewel thief, and he gets a robot butler to like help him in his old age. And he's like, screw this. I'm not getting old. Also, this robot's annoying. Oh, wait, no. I love this robot. Let's go do a heist together. And he like it gets his robot butler to like go do a, a, a heist with him. It's amazing. That reminds me. It. That reminds me of a cartoon I grew up watching. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but there's an anime called like Doraemon. It's it's from Japan. Um, it is like this blue robot that this kid grows up with, and that basically is my first introduction to what a robot is. Because this robot is magical. He has a pocket where he can pull a bunch of different toys and gadgets and all this cool stuff to make like this kid's life better. Because he without him, he's just sort of a loser. <laughs> like <laughs> frankly, so and then yeah, like and then one day like sometimes they get into fight and like Doraemon will go away and then the kid is all like oh no like I can't live without him I need him and like oh he's not just a robot he's my friend anyway it's a great show <laughs> so, right, so this robot is a uh, code named Vesta the Roman goddess of the hearth according to Bloomberg and uh, there'll be prototypes in 2019 and um, I'll just be curious to see if it can I don't know handle stairs Roombas don't fall down stairs but, um, but they can't go hopefully they can do a better job either. yeah I don't know Stairs, stairs <laughs> they just don't leave the floor. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably just roll around. Yeah, but I think it should have a vacuum. It should it should have a little sweep, just like a little extra thing. Ooh. Just put a robot on top of a Roomba. That's all I want. Just put a fa- like put googly eyes on a Roomba and like a voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Problem then the solved? other rumor is uh, they've been they started teasing the Fire TV Cube, which fine, great. I don't I don't like. It'll be a Fire TV with Alexa in it. Uh, which is a great idea. I would definitely like consider having that under my TV. I definitely don't think it needs to be hyped this much. Yeah, <laughs> Paul and I were talking earlier about how this reminds me of like a another one of those crazy over-engineered Silicon HBO Silicon Valley thing, where it's like the box, and it just like just does the like weird obscure thing, and it's like, ta-da! It is a thing that's going to be a. L- revolutionary it's like it's a it's a tv that's also an echo okay sure yeah it does seem to be exactly what they should build though yeah because my chromecast is on the fritz like chromecast is built into my visio and i basically have to reboot my visio all the time because chromecast will start flickering my visio can't get software updates because it's broken in some other way oh so i had the same problem last week you know what you have to do you have to unplug it and then hit the power button a bunch to like completely kill it and leave it unplugged for a couple of minutes and then plug it back in and it'll connect to the Wi-Fi again. Uh, it's nuts. My Vizio is just a garbage fire. I have to unplug it like once a week now. So this would be great, except the main thing that I watch over Chromecast is YouTube. And we all know how well that relationship is going. <laughs> By the way, while we're recording, Amazon released their earnings. Uh, $51 billion in sales, up 43% year over year, and a net profit. Which is always ex- exciting when Amazon actually pulls a profit of 1.6 billion. Although they did lose a bunch of money overseas, fine. They're just everybody's making all the money all the time. I don't know about everybody. Okay, everybody, every by everybody I mean huge companies are making all like the money all like the time. five or seven CEOs of large <laughs> companies are making all the money. <laughs> Do you ever need to send money internationally? I want to warn you against using your bank or PayPal. Sure, they get their money from A to B, but that transfer will cost you more than it should. A lot more. Turns out that's the old way. And now there's a new, smarter, and cheaper way to send money internationally. It's called TransferWise. 
It was founded by two pals, uh, Tavit and Christo, who were frustrated by their bank's bad exchange rates and high fees. They wondered what if they could bypass the banks. So they did, and they built TransferWise. That was seven years ago, and since then, two million people have used TransferWise. People money sending money home, businesses paying suppliers, freelancers getting paid, and so on. TransferWise's clever new technology gives you a great exchange rate and a low fee, so it'll put some extra money in your pocket for the more important things. Because, apparently, no one's ever said, it's important that my bank get some extra money. I've asked, and I've never heard anybody admit to saying that. So, you can test it out for free at TransferWise.com slash podcast, just podcast, or you can download the app. Once again, it's TransferWise.com slash podcast. It's the wise way to send money. All right, we're back. Mm. Just in time. We almost we almost forgot, but we didn't because we never do. That Paul oh. has a segment every week and he's always ready for it. <laughs> and I never have is, to vamp. I never have to is, talk and get ready never, for him to get to what he's going to talk about. It's he's always just got it queued up. It's always right there. It's always called theater. It's always called I've carved this for you out of aluminum. Um, so this week, <laughs> thank you, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Cord Hugo 2, which is a $2,500 uh, DAC, like in a, a headphone amp. Okay. So you, you, you plug this into your uh, f- uh, iPhone that no longer includes a DAC. <laughs> and uh, and you, so you plug this in over USB, and then it uh, converts the, the digital audio to analog audio, and you plug in your million dollar headphones into this and then you have the best listening experience in the world vlad uh, reviewed it for the verge he didn't really like it obviously twenty five hundred dollars is way too much to spend on something that is not amazing mm-hmm. but the design of this thing is like it is the most 90s thing i've ever seen in my life and i thought i'd seen a lot of 90s references lately but this is this is 90s or this is like this it reminds me the aesthetic is is kind of like um what was the uh, aqua what was the original design language for OS10 aqua aqua yeah it was yeah. lickable lickable this is <laughs> lickable plus it's aluminum a, it's a lickable DAC the lick like of, if you, lickable if you DAC. took a modern <laughs> MacBook Pro and you melded it with aqua from OS10 yeah. And you made a DAC, it would look like this. And I love it. It looks like you can hurt somebody with it. You this. can definitely <laughs> hurt somebody with it. It's huge. It's heavy. And apparently overemphasizes the highs, so it doesn't make for an enjoyable listening experience. Mm-hmm. But it's beautiful. All right. Well, can I can I talk about phones for a second? Just, just for a second. Sure. So I've sure. been using the Essential phone for the past week, week and a half. And, Explain um, yourself. Yo, I love it. It's great. I don't know. Everyone's like, oh, it's like jank and it's got bad scrolling and whatever. And I just haven't experienced it. Uh, Maybe it's because I have, I like fresh installed it on 8.1. I like took it out of the box and like did all the stuff from scratch and didn't restore and whatever. But yeah, I've had zero problems except for the camera. uh, The camera is, uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So the camera is just the camera. And I mean, that's a lot. But yeah. Uh, you know, like I've been bouncing between a Pixel 2 XL and an iPhone 10, and I've got the P20 Pro waiting for me at home, and I need to switch, uh, try that for a while. Um, and I got to tell you, I'm just super done with um, slightly oversized phones. I love that the Essential phone is most, it just has a little bezel on the bottom, 
and you get a big screen and a small body. I love the notch. Uh, on the okay, essential phone small, anyway. Small being I love relative. the notch on the iPhone Yeah, 10. can you... So I'll, I've never actually held an essential, an essential phone in my hand. How does it compare to a regular Pixel 2? Uh, to a regular Pixel 2, it's a little bit wider. It's about the same height. Okay. So Pixel 2 is smaller. So I'm a very small person, and I <laughs> think the Pixel 2 is like about my limit of how large I'd like a phone to be just because my hands are smaller. I can't reach all the way to the top of the screen if I held it in a different way. And with the case on it, like almost doesn't fit my jean pocket so so you don't want a bigger screen because you don't want to have to reach that much further up yeah like that is actually a problem for someone's as small as i am which is you know like i've never used an iphone but i think that the reason people love like the se so much is because it's small and it's cheap and it does what it does and it's like the size is perfect for smaller people another good reason for google to put this little drawer thing at the bottom or whatever it's called yeah speaking of the se se. yeah there are a lot of sketchy rumors about uh, version 2.0 of the SE. So, Dita, just to be clear, you, you, it's mostly just the size and the the feel of the essential phone. That's what's what's. Got well, it's the there. size. It's it's the feel. It's the overall aesthetic of it. Um, right. It like it just it feels heavy. It like looks really good. It makes me feel like a thing that I want to like have. And whereas the Pixel Two is kind of bland, and the iPhone looks like every other iPhone. I think the iPhone SE is like in this for people. People like the, just these are, those love are the my size exact reasons. Exact reasons why I want an iPhone SE two. I've been I've been using the iPhone Seven with a cracked screen for a hundred years now. Uh, I want a smaller phone. Yeah, I, I uh, Creighton, who produced the Circuit Breaker live show for us, it, it uses an iPhone SE, and I'm jealous of him all the time. If they just upgraded the processor, upgraded the camera, kept the exact same form factor, there's a rumor that it will be uh, wireless charging and um, headphone jack. I really hope they don't get rid of that headphone jack. <laughs> but if you think about what the iPhone SE is aimed at, it's aimed at uh, emerging markets that are probably not going to also want to buy Bluetooth headphones. And they also probably Apple doesn't want to cut into its margins by p- packing in a pair of Lightning headphones. Right. It makes to me it makes a lot of sense to keep the headphone jack on it, and it could be it could be my dream phone. That's where I'm at right now because the size. I'm just I don't I don't need a big phone anymore. I need a big phone less and less. I've been you know limiting t- my Twitter use. I basically I mean on my phone on my on when I've got TweetDeck open, I'm still a maniac, and I'm sorry. Everybody. I'm also sorry for when I'm at the airport. I'm also really bad at Twitter uh, when I'm at the airport. Um, why, why, why be sorry though? Just, what do you mean? Yeah. Airport Twitter, like airport Dieter Twitter, is like when he gets the most t- Dieter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. We want pure, unfiltered, 100% from the source Dieter. Mm, That's just, what the world craves. Like, all natural, organic. This free is too range. much. Um, Free-range free Dieter. Free-range Dieter in an airport. <laughs> Never been caged. <laughs> anyway, like, I don't need the big screen because I'm trying to limit my phone use down to, like, some of the core essentials. Right. And that just, like, a smaller screen sort of forces you to, like, if you want to do something more, you go over to a bigger screen. And so it, right. it makes I, I, it... I, do, I really do hope that the trend in, like, producing smaller phones again with, like, maximizing, you know, screens um, real estate on a small device... Mm-hmm. Could be a really good move for a bunch of manufacturers to now do, just because like we are pretty much getting as big a smartphone as we're gonna get at this point. I don't think they can get any bigger, or like hope they don't get any bigger. So hopefully, smaller ones can be on the way because they definitely figured out how to make the screen bigger now, notch or no notch. Yeah, 
Well, so the OnePlus 6 is going to be announced May 16th. I love that they've basically announced everything about this phone, and now they're announcing when they're going to announce it. Um, fine. Um, but, I don't know, we could talk about notches, I guess? Like, I, I'm fine with notches. It's fine. Like, uh, it's dumb when they are just copying Apple just for the sake of it. Um, but if you just get a little bit of extra screen real estate and you use it well, and I think the status bar on an Android phone is a really good thing to stick in a notch zone. That's, like, perfect. There's all a bunch of icons up there anyway. Get that off my main screen and, like, put it up there on the left and the right of the notch. Um, then I get an extra, you know, 50 pixels to work with. And then, then the phone feel smaller um, relative to the screen, I think it's a win. I think it's great. Yeah, it's fun to make fun of, though. It's fun to say, but (laughs) I really have a hard time getting, like, mad or excited about anybody's notches anymore. We've just been been worn down? Yeah, I mean, I guess it'll be cool when someone does the notchless phone. Like the S9. But no, <laughs> uh, that doesn't count. It doesn't count. It's gotta be. It's gotta be bezelless. It's get. You gotta Fine. be just holding a screen. Yeah. You're just holding a rec, uh, the rectangle of the screen, and you maybe at most can see a tiny little pixel wide black border around that screen at mm-hmm. most. That is where it has to go. Um, and so that's why we all need to have a pop out selfie cameras. <laughs> Oh, God. New internet, new problems. HBO's Silicon Valley takes its too-real satire of tech culture to the next level this season as Richard Hendricks pivots his startup to develop a decentralized internet. It turns out the road to autonomous peer-to-peer network is paved with misguided car purchases, stealth acquisitions of pizza apps, and a lot of public puking, plus an ICO. No one said launching a startup was easy. Get the new episodes of Silicon Valley Sundays at 10 on HBO. I think there was a spoiler in that ad, but that's okay. Yeah, that You're sounds have to like watch. a spoiler. Don't worry about it. All right, I want to just talk about one more thing, and I only just want to talk about it so we're done. We've been teasing the Spotify event for like three weeks on the podcast, and they finally had it, and... <sighs> I'm making the cringe face because that it, it was, yeah, underwhelming, to say the least. And it's like, And the weird thing was that they literally had the event to promote a product geared towards exactly me. <laughs> and yet I'm just kind of like, well, okay. So yeah, you're 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 you love using free services. They've improved their free service and you just don't care. I mean, I like I said, I think it's great that some playlists are now on demand, but like if anything this just tells me that I don't have to pay for Spotify. So like, mm. Mm. I mean, like, you know, they just went public. Their goal is to get more people to stream like Labels are happy when more people are streaming, and Spotify is more happy when people are streaming. So to them, getting more users is what they want, free or paid. Uh, yeah. yeah. What is the value of a free user to Spotify versus an unpaid? I mean, I think at some point oh, sorry, they're going to uh, hope. Yeah, I, I think at some point they hope that the free people will love the limited uh, on demand and realize that they want it so bad they'll pay for it. and. <laughs> or they'll just get a slew of people like me who are too cheap to pay for it and just be like, ads are fine. Only 15 on-demand playlists a month is fine. So, yeah, I mean, like, all they want right now is user growth so that they can go back to investors and be like, look, we're growing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's a beginning strategy. I don't know how sustainable it is. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really nothing to record. No hardware, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm sad. I'm really sad. I really want that hardware. I think it's really interesting. Like I, I think it is coming down 
like coming out at some point. Today is not the day. Mm-hmm. All right. That is, I think, the Vergecast. I want to tease a bunch of stuff. Uh, the next couple of weeks are going to be utter madness on TheVerge.com, at least from tech news. We've got F8. Uh, and then after that, we have Microsoft Build. And then after that, we have Google I.O. And then after that, I will die. Uh, <laughs> in addition, Peter. we have other podcasts. You should listen to Why'd You Push That Button? Season 2. This episode this week is about saving your date's phone number on your phone. How do you get those digits? Uh, also, and this is really exciting, on May 1st, The Verge is launching. Am I allowed to say this? I'm going to say it. We're launching a new YouTube channel. It's called Verge Science, and it's going to be great. I've been seeing some of the videos that they've been making. They're getting ready. Uh, it's going to be a whole separate channel just for our science content, and uh, it's going to be really awesome. So keep an eye out for that channel. Make sure you smash that subscribe button, fam, once it pops up. Just we'll, also, we'll tell you all about it when it happens. And the bell, I bet. There's a bell. The bell. We get notifications. It's great. Mm. You can also follow all of us on Twitter. We, of course, all are Verge. We're also on Instagram, where our Instagram story game is still amazing. Uh, it's Verge on Instagram. I am Backlon. Paul is Future Paul. Nat is Nat Garen. There's also other podcasts from Recode. There's Recode Decode with Kara Swisher. There's Recode Media with Peter Kafka. And uh, we will be back, some of us, not all of us, but some of us, and maybe a surprise guest. Maybe two surprise guests. I don't know yet. It's, it's a mystery next week. There's so much. You're just teasing so much, Dieter. Uh, it's just, can't, can't you just got on all I, these promises. Well, the good news is I don't have to deliver next week. I'm not going to be on. Somebody else will have to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll. Paul. Oh.